Greetings, Season 2 listeners. Today, we'll be discussing Beginner Property 101. I'm John Lee, the main host for this season, joined by today's guest, Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. Hello, John Lee. Thanks for having me on. Hi. So, could you tell me about yourself, John? Oh, okay. Um, I'm, a, I'm Jonathan. I'm a practicing real estate agent. I, uh, before this, I graduated with a law degree. But instead of practicing law, I kind of prefer being around a lot of people. Whereas law degree kind of put me, being a lawyer kind of put me in front of a lot of paperwork. So that brought the transition. I've been practicing as a property agent for about 10 years. And then I've been acting as a property guru, educating people about real estate related topics for about three to four years. Um, what else? Uh, I'm based mainly in Kuala Lumpur, in Selangor, Frank Valley. Mm. Yeah, I think that would be about it. Jonathan, you also do TikTok, right? Yeah, I do. I do. Why don't I you TikTok why don't you spill your username a little bit? Oh, okay. So uh, my TikTok handle is called Let's Talk Property. Let's talk property. How do you spell it? And is there like any punctuations? Um it's uh, all all small. All small letters, L-E-T-S, and then uh, T-O-K, the TikTok's top, mm. and then property, P-R-O-P-E, uh, sorry, I can't think. R-T-Y. Yes. Yeah. Talk property. Yes. Correct. Okay, that's a, very, that's a very stylish name. Thank you for introducing. And so, dear listeners, note that the contents discussed can be subjective and not applied to everyone, meaning it's limited to the speaker's experience and some um, limited to um, audiences with different disclaimer, everybody. Yes, it's, it's not really for everybody in like every situation, okay? Mm. So let's start with the first question. This is a very important one. Every, every time when you get to know something, you need to know the definition first, right? So what is real estate? Ah, okay. So um, this one is a little bit of legal knowledge here. So um, usually when we talk about what is a real estate, we talk about the legal meaning of what a property is. So according to Malaysian law, the, um, the main law that governs law on, the, um, on Malaysian soil um, is the National Land Code. And then for Penang and Malacca, you have the Penang and Malacca titles National Land Code. And then for Sabah, Sabah and Sarawak, you have the Sarawak, Sarawak Land Code and the Sabah Land Ordinance. So basically, what all these statutes say is um, real estate is something that is either a land or it has to be something that is permanently attached to a land, like a building or a construct, that kind of thing. So mm. those are the, that is the actual definition of what a real estate is. So if it's something you can move out of, out of the land, then it's not a real estate anymore. Mm-hmm. So what if, what if like, because buildings, right, you can break it. Mm. Then is it not, if you break it, then is the oh. real estate stat- status like removed? Yeah, if you destroy the entire thing, then the status of, real, of that property is diminished. Um, but because it's still on land, so they still consider the piece of land the real estate. But mm. let's say, for example, in overseas, um, US, UK, they have this thing called caravan. 
Mm. People like to go and stay in a, instead of staying in an actual house, they stay in a caravan. So caravan isn't really considered a real estate because it's something you can move around. It's more of like a car, more, more of transportation. A yeah, correct, correct. So yes, real estate has to be something that you can't really move from the land. I see, I see. All right, so this is this only limited to Malaysia or like, is this, can this to be applied my, to other countries? My knowledge is only limited. To my knowledge, I think it's only in Malaysia because I have not seen uh, the land codes of any other countries yet mm. uh, apart from U- UK and Singapore. So real estate, you have to have the land code to be defined as a real estate in Malaysia, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. And it's national land code, L- NLC. All right. That's the mother of all laws. in. Mm. That's like the fundamental. Mm. All right. Then... We talked about the real estates, and when we talk about real estate, we don't really talk about land code, but what, what we usually think about is we think about properties, right? Real mm-hmm. estate and properties really closely linked together. So, like, I want to ask, like, what type of properties are in Malaysia or in the real estate market? Um, colloquially, meaning like, like in layman terms, we usually separate them into uh four categories four categories yeah so these four categories are basically uh, residential for somewhere you can stay and then commercial these are like shops offices uh, hotels shopping mall all these are under commercial as well mm-hmm. and you got industrial so industrial is like another branch it's like a um, factories warehouses um, mainly for businesses they are very different from almost similar to commercial, but they are, um, when I was studying law, one of the main reasons for this separation is because of the type of pollution that comes from industrial. So you can't really have a residential next to an industrial area, but you can have it next to a commercial area. Mm. And the last type is what we call a special purpose properties. So these ones are like, they are neither commercial nor residential. They are specific. They are, they are for a very specific purpose, like a school, hospital, army camp, police station, they are also real estate, but they are not something that you go and buy and then you trade around for capital appreciation and so on. So it's for government? Uh, Not really government either. Like schools, hospitals, they can be private entities, Mm. but um, they are built only for a specific purpose. Like you can't use a hospital to do anything else. Oh, so what, how, how, how does, um, special purpose properties work in the real estate market? Like, how do you invest in those? Do you not invest in those at all? Uh, there are people who invest in special purpose. Like, um, there are companies that buys up schools, like international schools in Malaysia. Um, different KDU will buy some schools or build new schools and then they make profit out of it. Uh, likewise, hospitals, uh, KPJ are known to buy up hospitals throughout the entire Malaysia. Um, it depends on what that property is sometimes you might need to have a license to be able to own the property mm. like for example a law firm or a real estate agency you need to have a specific license to be able to own that kind of property um, the license is usually uh, authority to be able to conduct that kind of business or mm. to use that property for its purpose mm. so uh, yeah 
there are certain restrictions to ownership of that kind of property as well. Mm. So special purpose properties is like very dependent on what you have and like who who wants it. It's not really recommendable, right? But mm. I've never really heard of how you can invest in um, malls. I, I actually know like I've actually seen like a lot of people invest in apartment and condo. Like they, they have this model in like the shopping malls and like they show you and they show you how, like they keep telling you how great of a deal it is. But like I've never seen a mall real estate trading. Uh, let, then let me introduce you to, an, to some easy to enter, enter kind of mall investments. They are known as um, REIT. Uh, called Real Estate Investment Trust. This one is actually a share, actually. So you buy the share of this particular mm. company, and then the company, they, it's actually a trust, a trust company. Mm. So basically what happens is they will buy real estate, usually specific segment type of real estate. Then after that, they will, um, they will collect rental or they will have profit for the real estate that they own. And then according to law, they have to give back 90% of that profit to whoever is their shareholder. Mm, so, so some of the famous uh, REITs in Malaysia that own malls are like um, Capital Land. They own the Queens Bay Mall. Mm -hmm. They own, um, what's that? Mall in, the Mines. They own the Mines. Mm -hmm. And then um, our Mid Valley. Mid Valley is owned by another Real Estate Investment Trust, mm. IGB. Mm. Yeah. So you can actually buy these companies and then you become a shareholder of oh. Midvalley itself. So imagine you buy an IGB. Uh, oh. Share price, I think now you can buy you can buy one lot for about 200, I think. Like I didn't check the price. $200 or ringgit? 200 ringgit. Oh, one lot for 200 ringgit. Yeah, you can buy... Uh, it's, 100 shares and then um, each share costs about I think one one ringgit 90 cent. I, I can't remember. I didn't check mm. the price for quite a while. So you imagine you use 200 ringgit and buy one one lot and then after that you can go tell your friends oh I'm a shareholder of Mid Valley. Wow. I didn't. I, I actually didn't know this because for me what was prominent in my mind was uh, real estate and stocks are like a little bit different. I never thought like the, the concept of um, stock market will be applied to the real estate market as well. But that's also interesting. So, save that for another podcast one day. Yeah, we should. Very we should. Short. Yeah, but like, see, this is really interesting because during MCO, stock, stock prices crashed like hell. But that means real estate prices also crashed because nobody, nobody really wants to buy the property right now. And like, it's it's kind of the expected the expected price to rise is very low, right? Oh yeah. You don't really but, expect real estate's price to rise during MCO period, right? So uh, yes. Um the real estate industry, um, even if there wasn't an MCO or there's an economic boom, um, real estate tend to be the last to rise because it's supposed to be a um like a stable investment form of a form of investment people usually buy them to hedge inflation rather mm. than expect some heavy lump sum of profit mm. uh, like you do see a lot government actions like um adding of rpgt 
um, putting limitations on what the developer can build uh, and having the, like, for example, if the developers to build a residential property in Malaysia, they have to follow um, the Housing Development Act. So they have to follow certain criteria on, on how they can develop a property on uh, how they can even obtain licensing. So real estate in general is supposed to be the most safe form of mm. investment. Mm. And because it's so safe, the returns are also quite slow. Mm. Like you need 10 years, 20 years to really see the, the, the returns really build up. So it's something like investing in index, index funds and ETFs, if you, if you look in a certain way. Uh, kind of, kind of, yeah. More uh, of hedging instead of like... Oh, yeah. Uh, there are certain people who, com- who make comparison between buying a bond. A sh- a bond mm, oh, yes, bond. Yeah, and as opposed to a real estate because the, both also are very safe. Both are almost guaranteed to give you returns after 10 years. Uh, and um, both are something that ultra-rich billionaires will look for. Mm. Because they have to focus more on maintaining their wealth. Ah, yes, correct. But I also heard that real estate market can be heavily influenced by the economic situation in certain times. So like I feel like it's very important to know what the current situation, current economic situation in Malaysia is. So can you tell me about the Malaysian economic situation right now? In, okay, so um, this is data I've gotten from our uh, Department of Statistics. So in 2021, uh, about quarter four, which is um, last, just last year only, um, the Malaysian economy experienced a recovery of about 3.6% to its um, national economy. So in that recovery, if we are to analyze what created that recovery, it was mainly the e-commerce boom that was mm. um, driving everything. Everyone who managed to bring their business online, they are successful in making sustainability and, and not just that, they probably make a hell lot of profits. Like Netflix, very, very profitable. Mm. So if we look, if we analyze that, we, we notice real estates that is associated with that trend are doing very well. Like um, uh, logistics were one of those that were very popular um, during the entire pandemic period. Um, while we are looking at every form of real estate dropping in value, uh, warehousing and factories, they were flying up in the sky. Like there is almost no availability. No one was selling mm. a factory. No one, very few were selling a factory. Very few were selling warehouses. Mm. Why were they selling it though? Um, well, Quite a lot of reasons. It could be pandemic hit them. They need to cash out, mm. or their business weren't able to adapt fast enough. Like there were quite a number mm. of businessmen who weren't ready for the pandemic when it hit, and then um, they were forced to close down. And then mm. because of that, they had to sell their assets to cover their losses. Mm. So one man's one man's fall is another's come up. Mm, yes, it's always true. There's like if there's good, then there's always bad. If there's like what do you call it? Uh, a dangerous situation. There's always like a, a profitable situation, I guess. Hmm. Likewise, if you um, if you notice, uh, because of the work from home uh, phenomenon that is going around the world now, um, 
you don't see office on the other hand having a good increase in price or a good capital gain for that matter you see um, residential property slowly picking up now because everyone realized they want to have a bigger house they want to have a space where they can work from home um, like you and i we both have studio compa- compounds inside mm. our house mm-hmm. so we kind of look for instead of looking for a two-bedroom last time where we probably one room we have a friend or our parents and another room to ourselves now we probably look for a three room one mm. room for our mm. studio and then the other yeah two yeah. yeah so this kind of changed the property market demand a bit. Mm. And uh, office, on the other hand, suddenly there's no need for, like I haven't went to my office for three years. Oh, since the pandemic started. Yeah, since the pandemic started. And my company, Ripfield, we kind of went fully automated. So even our forms, our paperwork, everything is virtual, everything is on PDF. Mm. So I, I, yeah, even the admin staff also is like discouraging us from coming. Don't bring the pandemic to our office. <laughs> I guess it's very nice. Like people encouraging more digitization. It's more sustainable for the environment. It's more sustainable for the company as well. They can save costs and reinvest into other sectors as well. Hmm. Which is but, a good thing you make. Yeah. Uh, another area of real estate that probably might be touching on very soon is um, sustainability type. Mm. kind of real estate like um, properties that gotten green building awards mm. uh, we are seeing a lot of them become very popular uh, a lot of this green building award property you have like um, efficient usage of water electricity or water bills probably are lower and that kind of thing uh, mm. recently we are, look, we are noticing a very um, upcoming trend in that direction especially in the businesses. They are all trying to cut costs, use less electricity and so on. Environmental sustainability. Yes, yes, correct. I guess that will be the major trend in every market, actually, real estate, even, even like just for gen- in general for businesses. So mm-hmm. we've talked all about this, right? But like, what's your opinion on being interested in property? Like, why do we have to be interested in this real estate market okay um this is my personal reason uh which is also the main reason why it got me into real estate rather than staying in any other mm-hmm. profession is mm-hmm. um if we compare the asset classes that can uh we can buy and, and then it can help us uh build up our wealth the only one that falls within the category of a necessity is the real estate class. Like a share market is not a necessity. Uh, NFTs, Bitcoin, all these are not necessity. Sooner or later, they can be replaced. Um, but uh, real estate, having a house, this is the one thing that um, one thing that is very hard to replace unless you can, unless someone managed to figure out a way how to, how people can stay in something that is, Non that is non tangible. I, I think real estate is going to be staying with us for the rest of our lives. Like, it's, it's impossible to imagine sleeping in a place that is not a house or a building for that matter. So, I think that's one thing that, um, one thing that I always remind myself at the end of the day, this is a necessity. Everyone has to buy one sooner or later. It's just what, what is the price we are willing to pay for real estate. Yeah, so, and then um, as long as it's well-maintained, there's no big underlying issues. Um, 
like there's no management dispute going on. Generally, real estate will always grow in value. I haven't seen one that uh, doesn't. So you're saying like, as inflation rate goes up, real estate goes up as well. So like, you don't have to worry about anything and like, making any losses in the long run. Hmm, like in the short run, you can make losses, but like in the long run, you will always make profit. Yeah, correct, correct. Or always go, in, go up in value. And you've mentioned like it being labeled as a necessity, right? I feel like that's a very significant part, like the very, a very important reason why you have to invest in property because even businesses like to promote their products as being necessity, hmm. even when it's not a necessity. Even luxury goods, they like to pr- pr- promote it as a very necessity item, right? I feel like having that label really increases the value of the market. Correct, correct, correct. Like imagine if you are, if you are investing in agricultural land, um, the one way of looking at it is one day uh, inflation will come up to a very high point and if, if, if food becomes unaffordable, you having a agricultural land to yourself, it really, really makes a huge amount of difference. Yeah, I feel like even in any situation, it will go out anyways in the long run. So I feel like having a land or having a real estate is, is really good. But sometimes there can, be, there can be like obstacles when you're trying to enter the real estate market, right? So what... What, what's your opinion about, what, what's the advice you want to give them? What, what must you note when you're buying properties? Okay. Um, the first thing to note is um, regardless of what type of property you are buying, um, you, there is this thing called down payment and upfront capital that you need to be aware of. Uh, this is the biggest barrier of all that. Uh, this is the biggest, biggest, the, the elephant if, if you will, for, for buying real estate. So how it's calculated is something like that. The, um, the first big cost is the down payment. So basically that is 10% of the property price. Its purpose is to um, secure your interest for the property and to tell whoever is selling the property that you are serious about buying that piece of property. So um, if it's 10%, imagine you are buying a three-bedroom for about 500000 So 10% can easily come up to 50000 You need to have 50000 in the bank. And you have to pay it then, then towards the buying in cash. So that, that is really, really heavy. Then if you add up uh, other costs, legal fees, legal fees around 1% to 2% of the property price. And then... Um, Malaysian government also implements stamp duty. So stamp duty is the cost of um, legalizing your document. And then um, at the same time, inside stamp duty, you need to pay for what's called the memorandum of transfer. So this is a form of stamp duty meant for transferring the seller's name to our name. So you total up all these additional costs. Um, it comes to about 5% of the property price. So you add it up with a down payment. All these are cash you need to have in hand ready to pay for the property even before you sign your agreement, which is quite heavy. Imagine 15% of uh, 500,000, that comes to about almost 60,000, 70,000. And we haven't even get to renovations and all that yet. No, this is just upfront cash. 
Yeah. Then if you come to planning for renovation, like uh, depending on which market segment you are targeting, the renovation cost can easily go up to 50, 60,000. So, cool. Renovation as in like furnishing, right? Yeah. That can be a planning. Like, like there are investors who tell me they, they don't come in the market unless they have about 100,000 in cash ready. Mm. Yeah. Of course, there are, there are different markets. Uh, recently, the most popular one is buying new launches. New launches are properties that are not completed because buyers will have to take a risk of the property, whether it's doing well in the future or not. And then um, buying new launches, you kind of buy the property at a slightly inflated price. So uh, to mitigate that risk, developers will usually foot the legal fees. They usually foot part of the down payment. So you, you don't pay so much. But at the end of the day, when you get your property, your loan value is usually a lot higher as well. So there are this risk that uh, buyers, when before they buy property, they need to take into account. Mm. So, so you're saying like investors are risking their money to do an early investment in the property to mm-hmm. buy it cheaper, actually. Yeah, and no matter what, actually, when you're buying properties, it's almost always that you're buying cheaper because as long, the, as, long as time goes by, um, inflation will be the first thing that brings your property price up. Mm-hmm. Inflation is about 2% every year. So you see property price easily climbing about 3 to 4% every year across Malaysia. And then uh, the other thing you have that bumps property price is what I call... Um, the spiking effect. You see this a lot in Kuala Lumpur, in Selangor, in Penang. What happens is um, a sudden development takes place near your property. The LRT is the best example. Build an LRT station next to your house, suddenly your house jumps by two, three times the value. Oh. It jumps by another round. That's why you see certain townships like Bangsa South. Um, I, I did a case study on one of their older properties that called Vista and Casa before. Um, it was completed around 1991, uh, if I'm not mistaken, slightly very close to the completion date of the first LRT in Malaysia. So when the first LRT was completed, the property price doubled one round. Oh. Then after that, UOA came, bought the whole chunk of land and then started to develop that Bangsa South thing. The property price doubled another round. Oh. So when 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 um people first bought that property Vista and Casa, they bought it at about uh forty to fifty thousand. That was the transacted price I saw back then. Today that same property is selling for four hundred to five hundred thousand. Oh my god. <laughs> Ten times the value, like oh my. Oh my god. Yeah, compared to other properties that doesn't have uh, LRT next to it, you don't see a spiking effect like that. That's crazy. That that kind of that actually kind of shows like how it's also it's also a pretty safe investment, but at the same time you can gain abnormal profit. Yeah. If you're lucky enough. To have like a hospital suddenly built near your house, like oh shit, oh. the price will fly up. <laughs> Then how about demography? Uh, sorry? How about the population? Like if the population increases, what about that? 
oh yeah that 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 also affects it so um population increases almost tantamount to inflation like if a um if a particular township that particular area's population keep growing then that particular place is also going to experience a slightly faster price growth compared to the other areas a good example is comparing um anywhere within Klang Valley against uh, Cyberjaya, for example. Cyberjaya is one of those places that uh, we say there's no traffic jam. One, mm. one of the best ways to see whether that population size is increasing is whether mm. that place has a lot of traffic jam. Mm. Like Kampong, uh, Puchong, these places are renowned for traffic jam. And if you think about it, the reason why traffic jam is there is because the population size keeps growing and growing. And likewise, mm. if you look at property price there, right, um, back then, I don't think 10 years ago, you can hear of Kapong's three-bedroom going for about 500,000, 600,000. Today, you hear it going for almost 700,000, 800,000. Oh. This launches. is why you should invest yeah, in real estate. <laughs> oh Probably my doing goodness. Probably close to nine now. Wow. 900. Oh, madness. <sighs> Mad. It's crazy. Yeah, so like, actually, I actually think like you've made real estate market more attractive after this podcast. Like, I actually changed the whole my my whole perspective on real estate market because there are so many pessimistic view on real estate market, right? Oh, there's yeah, a yeah, lot, yeah. a so, lot of yeah. So I'm interested in real estate market, and in the future, maybe I'll consider investing in one. But like. I don't know how to analyze the market, right? I don't know how to analyze the market. How do you analyze the market? Okay. Um, this is what I do before I analyze a property that I want to buy. Um, so the, the, the back now, in our current age, we are actually very blessed. Our parents' age, there is no Google. So what they need to do is they need to drive around their property. Mm. Test. Like you're buying agricultural land, you need to <laughs> scoop the soil and find a botanist. Oh. Now we have Google on our site. Mm -hmm. So Google can really solve a lot of problems. So um, these are some of the things that I usually search when I'm Googling about property. Um, what are the surrounding amenities like uh, schools? Are the schools doing well? Like when you're buying, one of the reasons Montiara is so popular is because of that two international schools, uh, Montcara International and Gardens International. Um, so it's also very important to see how well students in that schools are performing. Uh, Chinese schools in Old Kang Road, Kwai, and then that famous Kwai uh, Chai School. Yeah, this, this well-performing well schools also tend to increase the property price around that area. Because mm. uh, one of the requirements that I think our government posts is that you have to be staying within a certain vicinity to a school to be able to enter that school. Mm. And by staying next to an elite school, you have a higher chance of being able to enter that elite school. Mm. So that, that indirectly will raise the property price of that mm. area also. So that's one. The other one you want to look out for is commercial and business elements in the township. Like, uh, you don't want to be staying too far away from the shop lots area. Then you have to travel, you have to drive very, very far before you can get to a restaurant or grocery store. Mm -hmm. And then you also want to calculate the distance between 
uh, your house and the nearest grocery like is it walkable usually mm-hmm. like in kuchai lama um, quite a number of condominiums are within walking distance to that kuchai business park so if you notice those condominiums regardless of um, how badly maintained they are they are able to sustain a certain price and rental demand to their property uh, yeah then the other the, the next thing you want to look for is infrastructure so in infrastructure I categorize them into three different types. The transportation type, this mm-hmm. one I think everyone's been hearing so much about transportation. Mm-hmm. I, I won't elaborate so much about this. The second one, which is the main one I want to talk about. Uh, these are like hospitals, police stations, fire stations. You also want to look out for this kind of infrastructure in the property you are buying. Because at the end of the day, the property, the, the purpose of the property is to stay or to do business, whatever the property's purpose is for. So if you're buying a residential property, you want to make sure the staying in that place is conducive. If it's not safe, then it's not going to be a very good investment. No mm-hmm. one wants to buy it to stay. So mm-hmm. police stations, fire stations, these are essential things a township must have. And mm-hmm. um, I realize investors tend to skip these things for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then it's also sometimes there are some government bodies nearby like a court or a um, government official building like LHDN. So it's also uh, these little buildings can affect the property price also. Like if there's a courtroom nearby, then there's a tendency for more law firms and lawyers to be around that area like what we see in uh, Paprika. And then um, let me see, let me think. What else do I need to Ah. You want to read up on safety reports of the place. You want to see what's the crime rate, mm. what's the health conditions, is the place clean. Mm. The, the most important criteria I usually follow uh, if I'm buying a residential or a commercial property is I'll, I'll check the cleanliness of the township. Like, uh, are there enough dustbins? Uh, people uh, very health conscious Mm. Uh, somehow for some reason if a township is very well kept very clean the amount of crime rate is also less and mm. in, in tender amount to that capital appreciation and demand is also very high like you can look at Pesa Park that's a very good example mm. Sunway the the person who developed Sunway he himself also goes around collecting rubbish oh wow okay like there were reports of Jeffrey Chia even like going around taking care of this, this, is, this is the civic mindedness that goes a long way uh, when you're buying your first property or your property for investment. Mm. Then uh, last but not least, you wanna, this is a trick I learned when I was practicing real estate. Okay. You want to look at the real estate agent's activities in that property. Mm. Like if you type the name of that condo into your search panel and you don't see any advertisements from property agents, then that's something worrying. Oh. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you type your name of your property into search, you see like 100 agents advertising, 200 agents advertising, then that's actually a very attractive property. Mm. To put to perspective, uh, for an agent to advertise a listing on iProperty or Property Guru, they need to prepare about one to 200 ringgit per listing per mm. week or two weeks, depending on what's the promotion then. So imagine if that agent's posting about 
four listings pre, uh, uh, a week that easily, no, sorry, four listings in two weeks that easily comes to 800 a month. Oh, wow. So like even the real estate agents have to be careful what they list. Yes, because if, if they list something, that's their own money they are spending there. And if they oh, list- it's their own money. Yes, correct, correct. In, in the real estate industry, not many companies, in fact, most companies don't pay for our advertisements. The real estate agent has to uh, plan their marketing planning, how, where they want to put the property, what platform they want to oh. use. Yeah, so uh, using, the advertis- using the number of agents willing to advertise that property is actually a very good indicator. This Especially is- if you like go on iProperty, you see a lot of featured listings, premium listings. These agents can easily dump I have seen an agent dump up to 20, 30,000 on advertising a month. <sighs> yeah, so imagine if you are buying that property, you are the owner for that property. How, how do you feel if an agent is dumping 30,000 to advertise your property? You, you feel great. Like you, you feel like very optimistic for your property. Exactly. Yeah, wow. so that's one of the key to, to, to see whether that property is of good value or not. So maybe I should start searching for properties that only has 200 real estate agents. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I've actually um, seen something on the news where the place with, with um, good lighting has very little crime rate. Is that true? Oh, yes, yes. Good right. lighting. Um, I also... Uh, some, this one came from someone who commented on my TikTok that if a place is beautified very well and uh, mainly flowers, like you plant flowers along the street, beautify the street, um, it can also reduce crime rate. Mm. And then um, Australian universities have also did studies where you broaden the road, keep the road to a certain broadness, that will also reduce crime rate. So mm. uh, yeah, this is the other thing about infrastructure you want to look out for also when you're buying a property, like how how much aesthetic and how well kept that place is. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and like you mentioned, how bright the place is. This, this can really mm. play a big part in your property's value. Mm. Okay. That's, that's like so much honey, honey tip that I have to absorb right now. I hope I'm not dumping too much. Overload <laughs> I mean, it's going to help anyways in the future. I really thank you for this knowledge actually. Do you have any more stuff to add? Like, you know, do you do you investigate petrol station toilet if it's clean or not? Or <laughs> uh, sometimes yes, but, but that one because um okay, this one is another thing I can give that uh for people who are looking to buy real estate for investment. When you study an area and you wanna the number one thing you buy property for is either to rent or to sell. I mean, that's the kind of returns that you're looking for. So um, if you are looking for a rental return kind of area, you want to look for somewhere that has a sizable moving population. Moving mm. population meaning these people, they don't plan to stay in that area for a very long time, but they have to stay there. So usually there is a certain purpose that requires them to be there for a certain period of time. Uh, like Sunways, the purpose is study. They need to go to the university. So they spend three years there. Mm. Uh, Bangsa South, KLCC, they need to go there for work. Or um, the most short term, going for a holiday. 
So you want to make sure if you are looking for rental returns, your property is able to have to cater to those purposes. Mm, so that's why Monkiara's real estate price is so good because there's so many expats. Mm. Monkiara's real estate price, yes, like you meant, yes. So this is another special thing. The opposite of moving population is the organic population or what some other people call the stay-in population. So these people, they buy a property uh, to actually stay inside. Mm. And because they, uh, they stay in the property for a very long period of time, so the property price remains very stable. Because after all, if you're not selling it, the price won't drop. Mm. And then um, because uh, the price there becomes very, very stable, when they sell, they have a very strong command on how much they want to sell. Probably in the entire neighborhood, they are the only ones selling. So, uh. in, so Monkeara is a very good example of an organic township because you don't see its rental price. Um, you don't see its rental price being the main thing that commands its demand. I mean, its rental mm. is very good. It's very high. Mm. But if you compare that to its capital appreciation, that one is even more attractive. Mm. I see. So there's what do you call moving 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 population, then there's this organic population. Hmm. So when you're buying a property for investment, um, you, you kind of want to ask yourself what kind of returns you want. Hmm. If you're the type that plans to sell your property in 10 years later, you're gonna look for somewhere that uh, people actually want to stay. Hmm. Uh, there is a uh, buying for own stay demand. Hmm. Uh, and then you want to buy and hold that property for some time. So the, the risk you'll be holding for usually these kind of areas is rental returns are very low. They will not be able to cover your loan. After mm. all, nobody intends to rent that. People mm. usually buy to, to, to stay. That's why rental demand is a lot lower. Uh, as compared to if you want to invest in a moving population area, capital appreciation might not even exist. Mm. That might remain the same price for 10 years, etc., or even capital appreciation might be very little. But if you take its rental return, sometimes it can be double, triple of your loan. Oh, like the total rental, rental yeah, correct. profit. Correct, correct. Like uh, Airbnb areas, sometimes they are, they are collected profit for one month. It's known to quadruple the, the loan that was given. Oof. My wallet is itchy right now. I have to open it right now and like invest in Sunway. <laughs> Get rental fees right now. The students are paying very, very good rent. Yes. If I look at places like Dilettour, it's overpriced. It's, it, it doesn't make sense. It's way too pricey, but people still go there. Hmm. So that's, Sometimes it's, yeah. Yeah, can that's be, what I'm surprised. So it can be because that property is way better maintained compared to the others around it. Uh, I haven't went to Sunway for a very long time, so I'm not too very sure which is the most competitive property there. But uh, I do notice that properties around the lake, they tend to be better maintained than those that are not in Sunway Geo. Mm. Uh, like if we compare Sunway Geo against Sunway Mentari, the, the class and maintenance level is heaven and earth. So the rental mm. price is also like heaven and earth. So which one is which one is better, Geo or Mentari? 
Oh, Geo is way better. Geo is way like, better. You see, it's so well kept. It's almost like mm. a mini on Kiara there. Oh, yeah, it is. I actually came to somewhere and I was pretty shocked to see their rental prices. Mm. Does, there's not much difference with Monkira. So anyways, that was a really good insight. Thank you, John. Uh, one last, probably one last tip I can give. Uh, mm-hmm. Since everyone is buying new launches, uh, that's probably the, 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 the easiest property we young people can buy. You don't mm-hmm. need to go so much down payment. New so, launches. Yeah, when you're buying a property from a developer, there are four things you basically want to look at. Uh, and these are not location and all that. Let's assume we already done our homework, location and everything. We already did our study. There are four things you look at. The first one is, and they're all about the developer. So you want to really check the developer's background. The first one you look at is what are their past workmanship quality? Mm. Uh, like Exim, for example, if you really like Exim's property, then how you want to know whether this is a good developer, you go and visit some of their older condos and see what, what is the workmanship quality like for these condos. Are there a lot of uh, crackings, etc. inside the property? Then after that, you want to uh, browse for their legal records. Are there anybody suing them? Uh, are they having any fines from the housing department? Uh, do they have their license revoked? Uh, these are some of the important things you want to watch out for. And then the third thing is, uh, how long have they been in the industry? Uh, sometimes a more mature developer tends to have a better understanding of how a particular township is growing. Like mm. uh, Bangsa South is known to be the home of UOA. So if you notice UOA's understanding of the core of Bangsa South is very good. Their properties are always fastest to rent out, priced very well. Even though you get it like 1,000 over units, inside a condominium, you can see it's uh, rental price growing very, very fast. Likewise, for Monterra, most people want to buy the UEM range because they are mm. the main developer. Mm-hmm. So their age in the industry and their age in that area matters quite a lot. Mm. And then the last one you want to look for is the funding. You want to check their um, financial background. Mm. Uh, not so much for the property being abandoned, but whether they can deliver on their promise. Mm. Like you don't want a prop, you don't want a developer to halfway suddenly go through a cash crunch, and then he had to cut costs on the materials that he's using, cut costs on the workers that is, uh, being used instead of using say, Malaysian architects, he suddenly start hiring, I don't know, from some third world country to mm. do the architecture, and then this this can impact the quality of delivery that mm. you are buying. Mm. So you want to look at the financial reports of the developer, make sure they're actually making a profit rather than a loss. Mm. All right. Then I believe there are some analysis to make on residential and commercial areas as well. Can you just briefly talk about a few points? I, I remember there are like, you got you to gotta do some interviews with some residents. Oh, okay. Uh, this one are more... This one is um, more in-depth. So um, sometimes you want to get some insider news of how safe the area is, but you come and visit the, the area. You, you can't really gauge whether this place is really safe or not. So one of the ways is you can interview the 
local people who have been inside there for a very long time, the easiest one to target is the restaurant owner. Mm. Yeah, very weird. Restaurant owner and the barber, the hair saloon. These mm. two are the easiest to target. You go in, you just pay about 20, 30 bucks for a haircut or a, or a meal. Then you just sit them down and then start interviewing them. How long they've been here? What was, mm. the, what was the place like 10 years ago? Mm. You know, willingly spill all the stories about this place for you. Oh, it's, it's great. I've been in one interview and they, they know a lot of stuff. So this is very trustable. How about, how about the surroundings of the residential and commercial? Is it also very important? Uh, yeah, you need to watch for like how clean it is. Uh-huh. The hygiene of the general shops. Sometimes mm. the, the, the best way to see whether a township is um, a good township is you observe the hygiene in the restaurants. Mm. Uh, if, the, if the general, like if you go into two, three different restaurants and you notice the hygiene is not very good, then that, that's a warning sign that you have to take back with you. I mean, you have to take back. Like residents there aren't really concerned about the hygiene of that restaurant. That's why they are willing to eat there and all that makes you wonder like what kind of place are they staying if they are so okay with this kind of level of hygiene. Mm, mm. And then also the grocery centers. The, the, usually the best place to check is the grocery centers and the restaurants. How, how well kept is it? How clean is it? Uh, this will tell you a lot about the place. Yeah, and also I, I know that it's very important to kind of like experience how it's how it feels like walking there, walking around. It's, it's very important to gather primary data and also the price of the food as well. Oh, yes, yes. Some areas, the price difference can be so, so far apart. Like one Kara's food price and the folks food price. Almost double. Mm, yeah. And also we talked about the primary data, right? So mm. you want to be actually visiting the property you want to you want to try you want to, you are interested in right ah uh, yes correct mm. so uh when you visit the property uh, not just you want to look at how well your your the unit that you are looking to buy uh how well is designed or its interior you also want to look at the rough condition of the condominiums exterior the facilities uh um, one of the reasons why it's important to visit the facility area to check on the facility to you to see how well this management is at, how good this management is at taking care of the facilities. Mm. I've been to some condominiums where the swimming pool is full of algae. Oh, that's not a very good sign at all. Yes, that's not a good sign. Mm. Yeah, then you want to make sure this kind of small little details, sometimes it's very unnoticeable, but you have to look out for all this small little details to see how how well the management is taking care of this property. Because you don't want later on when you buy the property, you end up paying 300, 400 a month of maintenance fee and the management's not doing very well. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel like the most important thing is you got to try to empathize to the residents, like how it feels like staying there. You got to actually visit mm. the property and like look at the details that you might you might not realize when you don't live in. But you know when the, those little things can actually bother you when you actually live in the area, like the sw- the the longkang smell, for example. Yes. Oh yes, like in the toilet, you suddenly smell some poop smell when you're when you're showering. Ah, that's not that's not that good. Or like oh, yes. you want you're swimming and there's 
there are a bunch of bacteria in the pool. Thinking about that, it just makes me vomit. So I feel like I feel like those factors are crucial when it comes to buying properties. So mm. I f- I feel like you gave us a lot of insights on real estate. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Oh, welcome, you're welcome. That's if anything, the, the number one thing to take away, I think, is um at the end of the day, um the purpose of a property, residential property, uh is to stay. When you buy a, a house or a condominium to invest in, the ultimate aim is you want to rent it out to someone who wants to stay there or sell it to someone who wants to stay there. Um, so the, the main goal behind how you choose your property should be finding something that gives a very pleasant staying takeaway, staying feeling to it, mm. rather than how much returns you can get from the property, mm. how much you appreciation if the stay is really really pleasant then the capital appreciation will come because it's a really good product it's just naturally come along basically mm. all right so Jonathan yeah you said just experience it try to empathize that's what you said the most important thing is the pleasant stay and also you mentioned about your TikTok right oh, you can yeah. Yeah, you guys can find more stuff, more insight, more information, and more knowledge on Jonathan's TikTok. Let's talk property, right? Yeah. yeah. And I post every day. Every, every day, day. I at least have one episode. One uh, episode. Yeah, come and visit. It's called Let's Talk Property. L-E-T-S-T-O-K-P-R-O-P-E-R-T-Y. All right, Jonathan. All the best for your TikTok and thank you for coming to our podcast. This was Taylor's AKPK with Jonathan talking about Beginners Property 101. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jonathan. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you.